great future. We're talking real money. Hi there. Welcome to the Monday edition of Talking Real Money Daily. I'm Don McDonald. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Glad you're here. And uh, today, well, the stock market kind of got normal. I, I, it felt more normal. It didn't feel crazy. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit wild, but we didn't have those two and three point swings in either direction. I think the S&P total market index, I hate the Dow. I think the S&P total market index was like about one and a half percent higher at one point during the day, but it ended up being about nine tenths of a percent higher. So not that the day-to-day fluctuations matter. Just thought I'd mention it since it's a daily show. What are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about advice, getting advice. Because there was a time when I believed that almost anybody could manage their investment portfolio on their own. And you proved me wrong. Because we all tend to, well, we're emotional critters and we react emotionally. Which is one of the things that an investment advisor, uh, financial person, can can do for you they can benefit you through that handholding. problem is most of them aren't very good at it most people just want to sell you something that's why most of the folks who give investing advice in this country i believe do not provide good investing advice it's all about the sale think about it you call your financial advisor a term that means nothing oh look my my lamp rings means nothing means absolutely nothing it has no legal definition but they're probably a stockbroker maybe even worse an insurance agent and you call them and you go oh what should i do about my market being down i don't know what to do and they'll say well we can buy something else sure you can because they just want to make another sale that's not the kind of person you should have managing your money here's the problem though everybody i talk to Oh, but my person at Merrill Lynch or my person at Ed Jones or my person at Ameriprise or my person at whatever it might be, they're just so nice. It's my best friend from college. It's my brother-in-law. It's my uncle. They're nice. They're good people. It's somebody I know from church. Somebody from church wouldn't take advantage of me, would they? Yeah, they would. Sorry, but they would. Well, but they tell me that they're they're my fiduciary. Uh-huh. And you believe them because, well, they're so nice. It seems logical to believe that everyone who gets paid to provide professional financial advice would be required to act in your best interest at all times. But they're not. Your doctor is always required to act in your best interest. Sometimes they don't, but they're required to. It's good that they're required to, right? Is your lawyer? Yeah. Your financial advisor? Mm -mm. A lot of them claim they are, but they're not telling you the whole truth. They may be a fiduciary. They may act in your best interests at times. But here's the problem. Ten seconds after they tell you that they're your fiduciary, they can go ahead and sell you a loaded mutual fund that costs five and three quarter percent and has annual fees of one percent per year which is not in your best interest because there's a no-load fund that costs far less that does the exact same thing. But they can do that because then that next moment, they only have to adhere to a standard called the suitability standard. That means that the investment may not be the best for you, but it is suitable. Suitable. How do you know which one of those things they are? That's why I jokingly created two hats, one that says... 
in your best interest and one that says merely suitable. I can't imagine any broker actually wearing one of those, but otherwise, how do you know? The problem is you really do not know. Because most of the people in the financial advice providing industry profess to being fiduciaries and may actually be at times because it is hot. It's the thing to be. It's been in the news a lot. But the vast, 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 vast majority of those who provide financial advice, investing advice, do not have to act in your best interests all the time. Oh, that's the rub. So I don't care how nice your financial person is. I don't care how closely related to you they are. You must come right straight out. This is a business relationship. You need to flat out ask them, are you, keyword, always required to act in my best interests? And then I hate to say this because people have been known to lie. Ask them if they'll put that in writing. It's one of the reasons why I created the advisor interview form that you can grab download for free at talkingrealmoney.com and you know print it out take it into them say please just even if they don't fill out all the other stuff are you always my fiduciary please sign this then you got it down the road when they sell you a heavily loaded mutual fund that's actively managed that has really high fees when you probably could have been better off should have been better off would have been better off even in an actively managed fund that was no load with low fees but even better in something that's more passive more indexy. Our number, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we want you to call anytime with your question, leave it on the service, and then I'll answer it on this podcast that we now do every day, Talking Real Money Daily. And let's go to, and let's go to today's call. Hello. I've got a question about um, backdoor Roth uh, uh, working that. I have a Roth IRA I converted from a traditional back in the 90s when they were new and I could spread the taxes over four years. If I do a backdoor Roth conversion today, uh, could I roll it from an after-tax traditional to my existing Roth or would I have to roll it to a separate uh, Roth? And I've had the Roth that's now in TD Ameritrade, formerly Scott Trade, uh, for about uh, 22 years now. I'm 57, plan to work for at least another decade. Um, I'm an engineer, applying uh, uh, the you know, upper income, uh, so I can't do any kind of uh, IRA direct. But I'd like to do a Roth, but I'm not sure if I have to uh, uh, have a separate one each year, or I can just keep adding it, you know, rolling to an existing. Thank you. What a wonderful invention. The Roth IRA was a wonderful invention. It's a way to put aside money. Not You don't get a tax deduction when you put it aside, but you put it away and you let it grow until you need it in retirement. And when you take it out, you don't pay any taxes. And if you're one of those people who's a really good saver, you don't even have to take required minimum distributions. It can just sit there and keep growing tax-free. You can give it to your kids tax-free, and they can let it grow tax-free. What a wonderful thing. Surprised the government still lets you do it. But as the caller said, there are limits. If you make too much money, you can't put money into a Roth, but you can backdoor your way into a Roth. 
by having a regular IRA and then converting it, paying taxes on the regular IRA and moving it over into a Roth. And the question was, can I move it into an existing Roth? So my life is simpler. And yeah, you can. As a matter of fact, I would prefer that everybody only had one Roth, one regular IRA, one regular investment account, and that's all. Because when you have all of these different accounts, all these disparate accounts with all these different people, you end up with the hodgepodge portfolio because everybody gives slightly different advice. You need some constancy and you need the ability to look at the whole portfolio as one entity. And that's one great way to do it. So, yeah, the trick to rolling an IRA into a Roth is to do a little bit of pre-tax planning. Make sure it doesn't kick you into too high a bracket when you're doing the transfer. And if not, don't transfer as much. And uh, if you can't do it all, no big deal. Then you have flexibility. You've got some that's tax-free and some that's tax-deferred. And, yeah, you can move it right into your TD account. And I really appreciate the call. Give us a holler, 855-935-8255. And before we go, there was a request that we do the word of the day. Well, today's word is stock. Do you know what a stock is? Well, there are lots of different kinds of stock. Most people know eh, it's like, a bet on a business yeah betting on a business no you're not stock is ownership of a business now the kind of stock that most of us as investors deal with that's in our mutual funds is a stock called common stock that represents actual ownership in a corporation and in most cases it's a relatively simple thing Your stock represents a percentage ownership of the company, and you get to vote based on the amount of stock you have in that company. And if they declare a dividend on the stock, you get that dividend based on your percentage ownership in that company. However, it can be far more complicated than that, of course. Let people get hold of anything, and it can be complicated. Just ask the guys at Facebook back when they founded it. Go, Go watch the movie Social Network. You'll get that. Uh, Sometimes companies will have multiple classes of stock with different rights to vote, with different uh, shares of the earnings and all kinds of really confusing stuff. Then there are other kinds of stock that I'm really just going to gloss over because I don't want you owning them. Preferred, convertible preferred, forget about all that. You don't need it. The kind of stock you own is common stock, and very simply, it's percentage ownership in a company. You, in essence, own a piece of the money they make into the in the future for as long as you hold the stock and that's why the value fluctuates depending on what the company makes the company makes a lot or is expected to make a lot people bid up the price of the common stock if a company makes little then they bid it down and dividends well it's a little kicker you get uh, for example like i think today apple's dividend is apple's <laughs> apple went from being a value stock years ago to now it's a dividend stock it pays almost two percent a year in dividends unbelievable well, 855-935-TALK is our number. If you have any suggestions for the word of the day, send them to us at TalkingRealMoney.com. And that website, TalkingRealMoney.com, that is, it may not be the prettiest website in the world, and it's not meant to be. It's meant to be a place where you can scroll down the page and very easily find lots of stuff. There is our risk quiz. There is a place to go hunt for an advisor. There is a place to set up a meeting with one of our advisors for free. There is the uh, all of the podcasts are there, uh, articles from ta- uh, Real Investing Journal, uh, the hats. The hats are even there. So go check it out. It's called TalkingRealMoney.com. And thanks very much for listening. I'm Don McDonald. 
implies that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.